Hi, everyone. It's Judy Warner. Welcome back to this week's Ecosystem Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Jim Alexander and Pete Robinson of SamTech. They're going to talk to us about their RF business unit and what they're seeing on the front lines with EEs that are struggling as high frequencies increase and size shrinks and alignment issues and launching a signal and so much more that has to do with connector technology. As I'm sure you know, SamTech is a global manufacturer of high-speed, high-performance interconnects, whether that's connectors, cables, flyover cables. They have deep, deep knowledge in this area, so I'm really excited to bring them to you, and I trust they're going to be of great value. After I recorded this podcast last week, they were so kind to reach out to me and lend me a white paper specifically for you that'll help you get through some of these design challenges and give you success right out of the box. So I've put the link here on YouTube and also it's in the description and the show notes. So make sure you go download that uh, as a gift from SamTech. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's jump into our conversation with Pete Robinson and Jim Alexander of SamTech. Hi, Jim. Hi, Pete. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast. I'm really excited to learn more about what you guys are doing and, and cue in our uh, engineering customers about what's going on in high frequency electronics, especially around uh, connectors. So, uh, Pete, why don't you start out and introduce yourself and tell folks a little bit about what you do at SamTech there. Thank you, Judy. It's nice to be here. My name is Pete Robinson. I've been in the industry since 2006, supporting customers with their questions and helping them sub- provide solutions to their problems. And I am continuing that role here at SamTech. How about you, Jim? Yeah, I'm Jim Alexander. I'm an applications engineering manager for the RF team. And I've been doing this for a little while, since 1998. Um, Recently joined SamTech, been here for a couple of years. That's really what it's all about, just having customers come to SamTech with challenges and trying to figure out how we can help them out. Okay, that's great. So with that as a background, I've been hearing a lot about RF sort of seeping into everything, right? Because of IOT and automotive and, you know, that it's just become ubiquitous in the industry because the applications that are driving it and engineers that I know are being drug into it, you know, kicking and screaming. And there's a lot of (laughs) impact really to the industry as a whole. And so I wanted to talk to you because I was certain being part of the RF group that you guys are seeing some, some, implications like that. So can you talk to us about what you're seeing, you know, as you're engaging with customers and sort of inside SamTech, what that looks as it relates to connectors? Sure. So Judy, some of the challenges customers are faced with today are getting packages on smaller footprints. As the need for higher frequencies increases, they need to put more components on smaller real estate. So that's becoming a problem and a challenge. And we're up to that task to help them with those solutions. Old designs are different because of wavelength. Wavelengths are shorter now. Signal pads and launches are much smaller. Uh, Connector alignment must be at the forefront. We see challenges with customers having alignment issues with placing connectors on the board, Mm -hmm. and they could be losing signal because they can't see that alignment on the connector, right? So, for Mm -hmm. example, customers historically using SMA connectors that traditionally go to 18 gigahertz, They really haven't had alignment issues because they're using solder down connectors. But now that they're going to compression mount connectors, there's misalignment concerns because they cannot see the alignment with that center pin making contact Mm. to the pad on the board. And Jim, I believe you had an example. 
Yeah, it's something along those lines and really kind of just how pervasive um, these these challenges are for, for new engineers, right? A lot of guys and gals that get into this business maybe think they're going to be doing a lot of coding. So this RF stuff that mm -hmm. you mentioned, yeah. kicking and screaming, right? It's pervasive in, in uh, a lot of different applications, whether it's compliance testing or whatever. Um, and they're going to have to figure this stuff out. Like Pete said, some of the old school technology, you, you could get away with some sins, right? With some of your designs, maybe not working great, but, you know, longer wavelengths, higher power, the signals were able to go further. Uh, now with like 5G technology and these higher wavelengths, you know, you can't get quite as much power. Um, so signals and gain isn't going to take the signal quite as far. So really designs have to be more developed, a little bit more robust. Um, and that's really some of the things where customers come to us to help them with those kinds of requirements. Like Pete was mentioning, um, for just the basic connectors for test boards, right? As an example, mm -hmm. um, used to be solder on boards, simple parts, relatively easy to do. Nowadays, customers need to use a compression style connection um, for high frequency test. The target on the board is a lot smaller um, and it's hard to put together. It's a mechanical system. Um, it attaches from the rear. We've added actually an alignment pad on the front to make it easier for them. So it's almost a just a simple visual cue the customer can use to make sure that the part's in the right spot. It's one of those things where it's like kind of an afterthought, you know, oh, wow, that's really simple, but it really helps to solve that problem. And it's, it's, it's the interplay of the mechanics of the board and the connector location and how that works with the, the electrical path and the RF path for the customer. So it's something we developed it specific to our parts. We utilize it across the, the board now for, for all these types of parts to help to make it easier for not only customers, but even our own internal team, we use these a lot on a, our own internal development boards and things like that. And so I always say this to my guest because I, I always listen with sort of a, an ear for like empathic engineering. It's like, yeah, so how do you figure that out? <laughs> you know, how do you onboard that? How do you onboard those kinds of parts? That knowledge. I mean, there's the parts, of course, but even the know-how or know what's available or know how to use that properly, right. you know. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we actually will help customers. We have footprints right on our website um, that kind of show them how it works, show them the advantages. Um, at some point, we have an application note they can refer to that helps, you know, show them, hey, by the way, maybe you haven't experienced this problem yet, but here's a way mm. around it. Or, and it's one of those things where it's really, hopefully it's going to be intuitive for customers when they use our parts, they won't even I have see. that problem. Um, so that's see. really the hope is that we solve the problem without a customer really having to experience that problem and having to go back and figure out what, what, what went wrong. Got it. So do you have, you mentioned Apnos, which I'm going to, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire on that one <laughs> later because that's a pain point for most engineers. But um, do you have resources that might be available for our audience that they could go look at maybe to onboard some of yeah. that situational oh, yeah. awareness? We've got, we've got a plethora of information on our website. We have white papers that we've done for some of these different types of uh, solutions or problems where we've worked through like common problems in the industry and what our Samtech SIG engineers or it's design engineering or even just uh you know, just all the models that are available on our website to help customers find this information. Okay, good. Well, if you can share that with me, that'd be great. I'll, sure. um, 
I'll load it into the either the the show notes or on the ecosystem website. So whatever you can share with me. Absolutely. Because I know we are only going to scrape the surface <laughs> on this. And I can only, as a non-engineer, track with you so much. But so far, so good, guys. So cool. Um, you were mentioning alignment. And that's another pain point that I've sort of been hearing this over and over again, that as things do get smaller and smaller, it's creating more disconnect between the mechanical engineer and the electrical engineer and how those things maybe mate in a variety of areas. And I think it is because the shrinking packages. So um, can you talk a little bit more about how that disconnect sort of plays out as you're interacting either with your internal team or with your customers. Sure. So we're seeing historically connectors were primarily designed by the mechanical engineers, but now over the last several years, that's really kind of going towards the electrical engineers, really driving the system demand, driving the requirements. And then the mechanical guys are left with trying to fit that into the package that they have to work with. Hmm. Okay. And what's sort of the industry trend of that, you know, the development cycle sort of, you know, kind of across the arc of time, you know, where we've been and, and where we are and where we're going. Right. Loaded yeah, I question. Mean, a loaded question, maybe <laughs> perhaps the, uh, you know, a lot of the development used to be, you know, hearkening back again to some of the old school stuff when I first dipped my toe into the RF pool the uh, mill standards and kind of those things that were defined interfaces, defined requirements, you know, it was all pretty much in black and white. It had been developed and written um, into lots of different specs. And nowadays, you know, and even not even nowadays, but in, in the recent past, this has really changed where um, hmm. government didn't have resources to kind of stay at the forefront and really drive a lot of the technology hmm. uh, development. It was more a function of industry really kind of like, moving faster than, than, than those see. kinds of requirements. So that's really come full circle now um, in that industry is really driving a lot of the speeds, a lot of the technology and stuff that's kind of out there. And now government entities, whether they be military or just, you know, standards groups and things like that are adopting these things and trying to kind of wrap their arms around this bigger picture um, and kind of put some boundary conditions around it or at least define it and kind of control it with different releases and things like that as, uh, mm. as the standards get developed. It's, it's something really now the customers are talking about all these different kinds of open systems where they want to have communication standards and interplay. So it's an important part of it, really. Um, the other thing I like to think about with this, at least when you talk about the development cycle, um, and that's really kind of on the broader spectrum within industry, um, the way we, when we're developing parts, we're working with customers that come to us and say, hey, I need this. It's, it's like the part you show here, but we need it to do X, Y, and Z, right? I so we, we kind of start out with like just some building blocks and kind of look at a lot of these things where, and you can do that all day long, right? You can go to a car dealer and you pick out a car. Hey, I like this, but I want these custom options added to it. We do I that see. almost like Legos. You just start out with some real basic building blocks. You get some basic modular stuff. But now systems, the requirements like Pete's talking about, how small these systems are footprints, the packages that they want to try and put these things into or the environment they're going into where it's an outdoor application that has to be sealed. So there's lots mm. of additional features that we have to build into the designs 
and kind of customize them. But they all really based initially on that, that initial building block or kind of what we're starting from with just like a basic standard part, make some tweaks to it. And we can do that fairly quickly, um, small quantities, but it's challenging. It's no, 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 by no means it's easy. Um, but because we start with some of those basic building blocks, it's pretty easy to, to accomplish for customers. It sort of sounds like what you're saying is like you said, Mel Arrow used to drive the front end and industry would adopt. And now it's flipped. You know, I think of past lives, particularly I sold RF boards to SpaceX okay. and I'd seen that flip right. where they were telling NASA what to do. And I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> you know? And so I have seen that firsthand, but as that flipped, what it sounds like to me, but correct me if I'm wrong, is that you're kind of out there on the bleeding edge face to face with your customers. They're saying we need this. And so you're out there with them, helping them solve those problems that are, you know, kind of on the bleeding edge. Does that sound right to you? Yeah, for sure. The, um, a lot of our partnerships are pretty deep with customers. And you can imagine that some of the hardware development or silicon development, things like that, where they're talking about these really, really you know, huge data rates that, you know, someday will yeah. be a piece of cake, right? Um, but you figure they're trying to develop all the silicon, but in order to make it work in an, in an application or a system, it has to talk to the outside world. They need connectors for that. So we have right. conversations with them where we're trying to kind of align our developments with their requirements and, and make that stuff all work. So it's definitely, it's it moves quickly. I wouldn't say it's the bleeding edge because that's maybe a little too far out, but maybe the okay. leading edge. The leading okay. edge where you're not going to lose a lot of money, but um, you can at least see some return on your investment, you know, maybe in a shorter term. But um, but yeah, we definitely engage with a lot of customers at that level to help them because, you know, to be able to connect that hardware to the outside world with all the sensors and things that are needed, uh, pretty important for them to for their product development, for their for their markets as well. I see you nodding a lot, Pete. And I, I imagine since you're a biz dev guy, you're out there having those conversations. So, you know, what would you add to to that thought since you're kind of on those front lines as well? Sure. So, yeah, I'm seeing with our customer base, them the customers asking us for recommendations and suggestions. You know, for example, space flight connectors, right? They're asking us, well, what do you have that meets space qualifications? And then some of our questions, well, what do you need it to meet? Does it need what type of outgassing requirements? What type of vibe and shock, salt spray humidity, et cetera? So we're definitely seeing the customers come back to us asking for our suggestions and, you know, what we can offer to the table to meet their solution. Well, I love this conversation because, again, the whole point of this podcast is to help engineers see those trends and how things are moving and where to go get the information and where to get the resources if they don't have it. And the things you're telling me really fits into what I hope that will deliver. And so I, it's really interesting conversation mm -hmm. and that you have the know-how to know about things like salt spray. Like, okay, <laughs> awesome. Didn't yeah, even salt, know about salt spray. Salt spray is not just at the beach, right? It's, it's Yeah, uh, right? <laughs> it's a yeah, real thing. And, and of course, I mean, space is a way different environment. And so is it being under the hood of a car, you know, sure. and there's heat and environment and there's snow and there's ice and there's space, which is just a little chilly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, it's really interesting conversation. Um, and then I imagine there's 
again, the connecting from device to device or whatever it is that you're interconnecting there too. So are there specific design considerations? And we've talked about this a little bit. Um, sure. What you're saying specifically that has to do with those design um, considerations or the um, like those boundaries, like, can you give us a hint to what yeah. some of that is? Sure. Yeah. No. And we've talked a lot about, you know, kind of the, the theme of this, discussion that we're having is really high frequency mm -hmm. um, and the challenges that that brings to the table for connectors, for, you know, basic mm -hmm. designs, you know, all the things that happen. And, and a lot of that is just, again, with these types of systems, it's, it's multiple channels, right? So it's not just individual channels. It's actually like taking discrete connectors, bringing them together as, as like a, a multi-channel connector or a ganged connector. Um, and really mm. one of the things, you know, Samtech has those types of offerings we also have discrete connector offerings and we can customize things, you know, for specific spacing for a certain type of array or just a mechanical, you know, build how the thing has to go together. And so we really give op options to customers. We have discrete, we've got ganged, smaller, lighter, you know, lots of different things we can do mm -hmm. to customize those things for specific applications, whether it's a I phase see. array system uh, for a radar or a communications antenna. Lots of different things we can do there. We've got a little bit of information. Again, we can send you some more information about those products if you want to put a link in there. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> How did you read my mind? Because yeah, well, I... <laughs> it's one of those things, like we're, like you said, we're not going to be able to unpack this in just in this short conversation that we're having. Yeah. So if people are interested, you know, they can certainly take a deeper look and, and reach out to us for some assistance on stuff. Okay, well, anything you can send me, especially that's specific to this conversation that I can share with our listeners, that would be great. I'm sure they would appreciate it too. We won't leave them on a cliffhanger, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Sure. So they go, hmm, phased array. <laughs> uh, which one? You know, right. so that's great. Well, you mentioned the, um, the gang blocking. And so the week that I kicked off the podcast back in June, mm -hmm. I had the pleasure of meeting... Um, uh, Steve McGeary came on and yes. I think he's on your team and talking about that gang blocking and particularly impact uh, like a customer use thing. And I'm like, what's gang blocking? <laughs> so he sort of unpacked that. And so at that time he was saying that you guys, as he went into IMS where I got to meet him, he was saying that they were going to take like a sample. So it sounds like you did a little development with a customer that, but that it's also become a, a product. So has that happened now? And then, you know, Jim, you kind of mentioned the idea of Legos. So if you could talk a little bit about the, the gang blocking sure. and then talk a little about your Lego example. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the conversation you had with Steve, he was probably talking about kind of one of the one or two different launch customers that kind of came to us with that problem or that yeah. challenge that they had. Um, and we, you know, we worked, hand in hand with them to kind of take some cues from their requirements, make sure our product that we were working for them was going to meet those specs. Uh, and then we kind of said, Hey, okay, how can we make this a standard product? So we've, we've kind of opted for the smallest pitch, the tightest pitch from channel to channel and make it as mechanically tight as we can. And we've launched basically a, a product family, but it's very modular. And you know, the Lego, I like to think about the Legos cause that was a big part of my, my youth and my daughter now actually, 
plays with Legos too, but hers are a lot more complex. They're really, yeah. my old Legos were just basic building blocks. Like we're talking about these SMA connectors that people have been using for decades. Right. The new ones now are a lot more customized. They're, they're working at these really tight pitches, you know, they're, they're working at these special frequencies. They're using using them in different markets, whether it's airborne systems and things like that, where there's a lot more gee whiz kind of whiz bang stuff, um, yeah. you know, compared to this old school stuff. But it's basically it's kind of like modular system where we can do two channels, four channels, up to ten channels, single rows, double rows. It's kind of an interlocking system where you can help you know configure different solutions for board stacks or cable to boards. There's lots of different you know options, and really the creativity of the designer or kind of the application the customer has, we can probably figure something out among the standard parts that we have that we've developed. Um, in this process, I mean, it took a, a little bit of time, but right now we can turn these custom parts fairly quickly. Samtech has a, a motto or kind of a, a key phrase here. It's sudden service that we talk a lot about in regards to trying to get customers answers quickly um, and really, even even when the projects like this, like time is of the essence, we want to make sure we get these things to market. These are great ideas. Let's make them happen, you know, today, so we can take advantage of them and get them out into customers' hands. So I want to ask you about that sudden service because there's an observation I have in my in my past life before doing what I'm doing now. I was working for a cust, uh, company that was in the software space. And, you know, so much seems to be driven by software these days and automating everything and taking humans out of the loop. Mm -hmm. And every time I talk to Samtech, I get this idea that Samtech, as a company culture, leans into this high-touch collaborative thing, which seems super counterintuitive. I like it because I'm sort of a relational I'm a little old school, but I'm more relational <laughs> eyeball to eyeball, probably like you guys are. Sure. And And so... Anyways, I'm really curious about that. And, and you know, I think people get irritated because we're putting up chat box and online support and all this. And, like, people are like, hey, can I just talk to a human being, please? Um, and so I would like you both to, like, unpack this and explain this to me because it seems expensive, super counterintuitive to the way our industry is going. And I like it. I just don't understand it. So Sure. All right, the floor is yours. Sure. So, Judy, sudden service is really ingrained in the DNA here at Samtech. And what that means to us is responsiveness to the customer, whether it's a customer calling, answering the phone in two or three rings at the worst case, responding to an email within a couple hours or no more than the same, a day going by. It's samples. Obviously, customers want to review samples instead of just looking at a data sheet, they need to test something in their own lab or in their own environment without just looking at the data sheet and going off of your specs to yeah. approve somebody or approve you know, something to put it in their design, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, and, and really the company was founded um, back in 1976, right? When people didn't have cell phones, they were still answering phones. So it was, it was all about like kind of answering the phone quickly, making sure the customer know they're getting taken care of, responding yeah. quickly. Um, and that really kind of guy, it's a guiding principle at Samtech really with everything that we do. Um, so we try to make, make information available online, right? You're, you're visual. You like to communicate with people. You like to talk to people. I'm the same way, but there's plenty of people that really want to just search the internet and find what right. they can. Right. We put, we put tons of information on the web when we have a part that's fully developed 
Um, all the test data that's online is available. We put models available. We have SIG resources available with white papers and things that we've talked about. Um, the other thing is that our test data, in addition to being available when it's fully characterized, it's actually real world test results. It's not just okay. kind of made up, you know, perfect yeah. conditions. Your connector could work like this. You know, it's actual real world test results, um, which are really challenging for, for PCB connectors. Cable connectors are one thing, but PCB connectors is a lot of nuance in the design and how that launches. So we actually help customers with that. If they come to us with those challenges, we have a whole SIG team with guys with really big brains that can help solve those problems for the customers. But that's the thing. It's the sudden service is just not only if you ask for it from us, will we give it to you, but it's available for pretty much everybody on the internet models, files, you know, real world data. So you can see you're not surprised later when something doesn't work like you uh, originally yeah. intended. And it's not just, you know, it's, it's samples too. Like Pete said, um, I like to say people always want to get stuff in, in their hands to test it themselves yeah. to really prove that it works. Yeah. Um, not just read a bunch of specs. So we have you bet. some stuff we call in our reserve program where we keep stuff in stock. Um, customers can get something, maybe not exactly what they need, uh, but something very close or very similar to that can design or, or the concept they're looking for. They can get that within about 24 hours. So we try and do that and cover the, cover the bases and then obviously customs and things like that. But it's really kind of that sudden services, like I said, it's all encompassing um, the way we think. It's, it's, it's trying to get ahead of the ask from the customer where we can. Certainly if they ask for it, we want to give them a response quickly, but it's giving them this information even before they have to ask for it. Well, I love that because... I remember the 70s and I remember in my early days in the 80s that one of you mentioned uh, the phone call by three rings like that was saying, you know, it's customer first. Right. And that just seems like it's faded away. So to me, it was an old school approach, but I like it. I think it was beneficial and it sort of faded out, especially as software and and Oh, data sheets. Don't get me started. But <laughs> engineers that typically get data sheets, their biggest complaint is they give wor worst case scenarios or what their legal team wants them to cover. And it's like less than helpful. Sometimes it can hurt and drive designers to make bad decisions e right. even. And so I think it's really interesting also that the data that you're providing is real and and then if you do it, if you do something, you can actually talk to a human being, but you still have all that. On. You should put me to work for Santa. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm yeah. just resonating with you truly as I don't mean to do that, but I like it. I like the model. And I think we've paid a price for not having more humans available, especially at the speed at yeah. which technology is changing. For sure, there's going to be questions. And if you can self-serve and do it fabulous, the faster, the better, particularly young engineers. Mm -hmm. um, do you see engineers younger and older responding in person as well as online? Or do you see do you see the older people like me engaging more? And, like, <laughs> do you see the, a dynamic there? I'm just sort of interested. Yeah, it may it may fit the stereotype um, at some level, right? Because they exist usually for a reason. But um, but no, I think it's a pretty broad swath of people that come and ask us for assistance, right? Um, we get a lot of data and, you know, 
basic feedback, right, from Google searches and stuff and kind of who the customers are that are looking for things. But but it's pretty broad. I mean, we get, you know, younger younger engineers that are they're still asking for help. I'm sure they've done a fair amount of research on the internet to find stuff. Um, right. Others that help. And we've got, you know, just a couple of us talking to you today, but we have a global sales team uh, of field sales mm. engineers and applications engineers, you know, really, like I said, all around the globe that can help customers um, are out talking to customers, hopefully on a daily basis now that everybody can get out and about again um, to answer questions or to give them presentations and kind of keep them up to speed on our product development um, and like these these white papers and things that we talked about to help present that information. So it's really, we give the customers the options like we talked about, ganged connectors or discrete connectors, you know, blind mate, screw on, you name it. Customers mm-hmm. have options. They can find a lot of the information on our website, like we put it out there. Or they mm-hmm. can just kind of throw up their hands and say, hey, I need help. Can you guys help me? Here's my challenge. Um, can you help answer these questions for us? So it's really up to the customer to make those decisions on how they want to interact. So I have a question now for Pete, because I have the probably bulk of my career, I was involved in sales, sales and marketing, but mm-hmm. um, heavily in my early career in sales. And so I've also noticed, and I won't keep beating this, but a lot of companies are moving towards this transactional sales model <laughs> where, you know, get support on the phone or through online and they're moving you know, they're cutting back their physical sales teams because it's cheaper. And that even got worse during COVID, I think, because people couldn't travel. So it's it sounds like Samtex continued to invest in that. Maybe that's because your culture, this sudden service thing. But, you know, you're a biz dev guy. So, you know, what what's the thought behind that and continuing to invest in that face-to-face Um Salesforce out in the field, which again, I love privately, you know, cause that was me. Cause that's, I love doing technical sales where I was out there instead of doing it on a podcast, you know, it was those face to face. And, and I really enjoyed that. Sure. Yeah. So Judy, we have just in the North America, we have about a hundred field sales engineers. So they're dedicated to support the customer base within certain regions. Some geographies have more FSCs in their region than others do. We also have applications engineers that are in the field to support the FSEs going to customers. And even those applications engineers are supporting customers directly as well. And that's just that's just North America. And that's not counting the global infrastructure that we have with the same network, whether it's field sales engineers or applications engineering. So we look at it as it's important to have that support and infrastructure in front of the customers to help them with their problems. And are they getting cut loose now that COVID hopefully is behind us? Yes. Fortunately, we're starting to see some open up, some customers opening up to allow visits. And, you know, I've been traveling quite a bit lately over the last couple months. Uh, we have a trip to Europe here planned in a couple weeks. So we're looking forward to that to see some customers. But, yes, definitely things are opening up. Yeah. For those of us that were road warriors, it was mm-hmm. a bit of a shock. But now when I travel, I get really tired. <laughs> so I was all road hardened and now I'm like, Oh, I'm tired. Yeah, you know, exactly. And so it's a funny, it's a funny dynamic. Well, we're, we're running short on time, but um, Pete, you mentioned that you're going to Europe to see customers. So for people who have listened, we'll make sure, you know, hand off all those resources that we talked about. So our listeners can dig in deeper, but I assume that you're going to be out at trade shows then. Um, can you tell us a little bit about where, 
some of our listeners might meet you in person at uh, upcoming shows. For sure. So for I'll be uh, at the AUSA show here starting uh, actually next Monday. What is AU? What? AUSA. It's a military show. AUSSA. And that'll be in Washington, okay. D.C. That's on the 10th of October through the uh, 12th. Okay. And then uh, Jim and I will also be in D.C. a couple weeks later at the Crow Show. Okay. Yeah. Association of Old Crows, Association right? Association of Old Crows, right. That's like later in the month in October. I think it's the week of the... 24th of October, yeah. and then while, okay. Pete, while Pete's in, in D.C. at the uh, AUSA show, um, there's also like an IEEE um, phased array radar show up in Massachusetts where I'm going to be uh, okay. up in Waltham, Massachusetts that same week, the week of the 10th, next week, actually. It's right around the corner. So, Okay. So, well, yeah. share share those dates with me, too, and I'll, sure. I'll throw them in the description so people can go enjoy some of that sudden service love that you're giving yeah. your customers. And, you know, if they enjoy traveling or if they're, they're a little road weary, maybe they don't want to come, but they can certainly yeah. come visit well, us. And... <laughs> if they're like me, they're biting the bit to get out. So yeah, a little the bit. last couple of shows I've been to have been really well attended. I think people are mm -hmm. venturing out more and more. Well, thank you guys so much for this conversation. I probably won't be able to meet you in person, but I think we'll probably... I don't know if you guys will be, but I'll be um, next summer at the um, the MTTS mm -hmm. International mm -hmm. Migrave Symposium. Yep, in San so, Diego. Yes, in San Diego, which yeah. is just south of me. I'm actually on the steering committee um, for Great. the publication committee. So I, I got to meet Steve, but if, if you come there, I'd love to meet you. And thank you yeah. so much for your, your time and telling us a bit about Samtech and what you're seeing trending in the industry. It's been a really interesting conversation. Absolutely. Thanks Thank you, Judy. Thank you. For our listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. Make sure you go check out either in the description or the show notes. I'm going to throw in lots of resources from Pete and Jim and Sam Tech. Thank you for listening today. We'll see you next week. Until then, remember to always stay connected to the ecosystem.